This is episode number 916 with number one New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Mark Hyman. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Napoleon Hill said, no person may enjoy outstanding success without good health. And Buddha said to keep the body in good health is a duty. Otherwise, we shall not be able to keep our minds strong and clear. Welcome to this episode with Dr. Mark Hyman, who is leading a health revolution, one revolved around using food as medicine to support longevity, energy, mental clarity, happiness, and so much more. Dr. Mark Hyman is a practicing family physician and an internationally recognized leader, speaker, educator, and advocate in the field of functional medicine. And he's the founder and director of the Ultra Wellness Center, the head of strategy and innovation of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine, and a 12-time New York Times bestselling author, and so many other things that he's done. He's the host of one of the leading health podcasts, The Doctor's Pharmacy, and he's a regular medical contributor on several TV news networks, including CBS This Morning, Today Show, Good Morning America, Dr. Ross Show, and so on. In this episode, we talk about the kinds of food related to chronic illness. There's so many people who have chronic illness and how you can prevent it just based on the foods you're eating. We compare chemicals and additives allowed in food in America compared to countries around the world and how it's so much different here in America. Misconceptions people have about dairy alternatives. This was a huge one for me as I love almond milk and it might be killing me. The power our food choice has on climate change, how you can make a difference in your own local community, and so much more. This is a powerful one that could transform the way you think about food and our economy. So make sure to share this with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 916. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Spotify. And as always, Leave us a review and let us know what you think at the end of this episode. Again, I'm so excited you're here. And without further ado, let's dive into this episode with the one and only Dr. Mark Hyman. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call. Text or chat 988 for free confidential support anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Welcome back, everyone, to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got the man, Dr. Mark Hyman, in the house. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. Super pumped you're here. I think you've been on twice before. Yes, I have. This is the third time. Yes, trifecta. And you are arguably the leading expert on all things health, nutrition, and an amazing doctor as well at the Cleveland Clinic. So thanks for being here. I'm super excited about this. You've got a mission that you're on, which is to change the food system. Yep. Not just, <laughs> not just teaching people how to eat better, yep. but actually changing the whole system of what's actually legal and not legal on what we can eat, I guess, or what's, yeah. what we as Americans can have at stores and what, what we, we buy. What we grow, what we... 
produce, what we process, what we market, what we eat, what we waste, the whole food chain is messed up. It's really messed up. <laughs> it's messed up. Well, there's a lot of sick people, especially in the US, right? Yes. How many people are, are oh, it's sick? Terrible. And what it, do we what do we categorize as sick? Like, that's a great question. So what's obese, what's sick, what's So at the at the top level, we have to understand that over the last 40 years, a tsunami has come that we weren't aware it was coming, that we weren't prepared for, and still haven't grappled with. And that tsunami is chronic disease and food-related illness. In 40 years? In 40 years. Did we have chronic disease prior to this? We did, of course we did, but not to the magnitude. We used to have like 5% obesity rates in this country in the early 60s. It's 40% now in most states. I thought it was like 30 like a nope, few years ago. Nope, nobody, nope. It's like 40%. Many states are 40%. And many are just pushing 40. So it's 35 to 40, depending on where you're looking at. Like California's probably less, Colorado's right, right. less, but Mississippi and Alabama right, right. are, you know, four, 40 plus. So we have, we have six out of every 10 Americans who's got a chronic illness, four to 10 who have more than one. By 10 years from now, we're gonna have 83 million with three or more chronic diseases, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, cancer, dementia, you name it. We are uh, having 11 million people, and this is, I think, a conservative estimate, 11 million people around the world die every year from bad food, from ultra-processed food and not enough good food. Now, I think it's more like 50 million when you look at all the related mm -hmm. conditions and so forth. It's a staggering number that beats out smoking, mm. war, violence, accidents, you name it, nothing else comes close. Not malaria, TB, AIDS, all that is a fraction, a third of, of the deaths that are caused by chronic illness. And they're mostly preventable, and they're mostly caused by food, and they're mostly caused by the ultra-processed food that our food system produces en masse. It's the biggest industry on the planet. It's $15 trillion, about 17% of the world's global product, and it is controlled by a few dozen CEOs really? that are in monopolies around seed production, agrochemicals, fertilizer, processed food companies, it's, it's staggering how the system wow. has sort of just over the last 40 years completely transformed. And you know, I, you know, I remember like I was, I, was in this, I was in some store or <laughs> cafe and I saw this picture of Woodstock and I'm looking at the, all the sea of people. And in the 60s, right? The 69. There wasn't one overweight person. I watched this movie, I think it was called Amazing Grace about Aretha Franklin. African-American church. Now, African-Americans, 80% of African-American women are overweight. Uh, it is, you know, they're- 80% today? 80%. Why, why is that? Well, because they're targeted by the food industry, because they're in a vicious cycle of, of economic stress, of social stress, of, of unfair targeting um, and manipulation by the food industry. This is well-documented by, for example, studies from Yale, where they look at the amount of advertising and targeting right. To, to poor and African-American, Hispanic communities, it's staggering. And, and there was not one overweight person in this sea of African-Americans in 1970. Yeah. And so it's literally just happened. And I'm, I was 11 years old in 1970. Yeah. And in my lifetime, you know, you see this change. So we have this staggering problem of, of chronic illness, which people suffer from this bankrupting people, that's bankrupting our country. I mean, think about the amount of economic stress. We talk about- Well, insurance you know, too. I mean. So much insurance money that's involved in this too. People are having to go to the doctor so much more probably now because of these issues, right? Absolutely, people, and then many people are not adequately covered. So there's a lot of co-pays. I mean, you know, people can have ten, twenty thousand dollars in co-pays. I had a patient the other day who, you know, had diabetes, and I, 
I fix his diabetes through food. And he says, I saved $10,000 a year wow. on co-pays for my insulin <laughs> and my, like. Just the drugs. Yeah. And yeah. when you look at the amount on diabetes spent in this country, which is basically one out of every two Americans has pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes, one third of Medicare spending is on diabetes. One yeah. third of Medicare is on and, diabetes. Yeah. Medicare, if it was a company, it would be the biggest company in the world, the trillion dollar budget a year. Shut <laughs> up. Yes. One third of our total federal tax revenue expected to grow to 100% of our mandatory spending by 2048. And in six years, Lewis, six years, the Medicare trust fund, which is sort of the bank account that we use to make sure uh -huh. we cover Medicare, it's a little complicated how it works, but the Medicare trust fund is gonna be out of money. So that means that we're gonna to have to get a trillion dollars a year out of uh, our tax revenue. We're not covering it. Oh so my this, gosh. Is a, this is a threat to our economy. It's a threat to our political stability. It's a threat even to national security, Lewis, because seven out of 10 kids who apply for the military get can't rejected. Get, can't get in? Because they're too fat or unfit no to fight. No way. Yes, it's a, it's a, there's a 700 admirals and generals that published a report called Unhealthy and Unprepared about the threat in our military and national security. And not only that, soldiers are overweight. So we're feeding them crap. They go in Iraq and Afghanistan, the number one reason for for uh, medical evacuations was not war injury, was obesity-related no, problems. No, come on. Yes, 100%. Obesity-related problem. What does that mean? Like they're injury, like a heart like injury, problem? Injuries or? from being overweight. Wow. You know? and, and you can read about this. I didn't make this shit up. I, right. mean, <laughs> I mean, this is in, in that wow. report, Unhealthy and Unprepared. Just Google it. You can read it yourself. Wow. It's staggering. So we have, we have a you know, $22 trillion debt. Uh, we have um, you know, this threat of chronic disease exploding. It's getting worse and worse. Uh, Medicare for all is kind of a silly idea, and so is repealing Obamacare. Now they're going to help the problem unless we figure out how to stop people from going into the system in the first place. Into the system meaning, of meaning getting unhealthy. Yeah, if they don't need medical care, it's cheap, right. you know. So let's go back to diabetes for a second. Tell me again the stat on diabetes, how many people have yeah. it or are okay. pre-diabetic, and, yes. and what... I'm uneducated on this. So how many different types of diabetes are there okay, and good. how is it caused? Okay, okay. So type one diabetes is an autoimmune disease. Pancreas fails, it's called, we should be called juvenile diabetes. Uh, and you need insulin. It's just- it's, You need it. It's, you need insulin. If you have type one diabetes, you need insulin. You need insulin, yeah. Because your what? pancreas dies. Because your pancreas makes insulin and helps your blood sugar uh, get balanced, keeps, that's the blood, it's sort of the gatekeeper that lets the, the glucose into your cells. Okay. So it's really important. Um, so how does that die? How, what how do people die from that? I mean, how does the pancreas die? Oh, well, it's an how does it get to that point? It's an auto, like an auto, like you get multiple sclerosis or gotcha. arthritis. It's, it's basically your body attacks your pancreas. Is that and, from and, eating a lot of bad foods? Uh, well, there's been links to dairy and actually as an, a driver wow. of type 1 uh, diabetes. Gluten, 29% of people who have type 1 diabetes have celiac that are undiagnosed. So wow. a celiac is a big cause of autoimmune diseases, okay. including type 1 diabetes. So that's a very small number of people, okay. very few. Um, one out of two Americans have what we call type two diabetes. We used to call it adult onset, except now kids as young as three are getting type two diabetes from drinking soda from the crib. I mean, oh Lewis, my gosh. I, I, was, I was working in, when I was a resident in an urgent care center, and this woman comes in for back pain, she's got her baby in a carriage, and I see her feeding this baby this brown liquid in a bottle, who's seven months old, and I'm like, what is soda? that? I'm like, what is that? She said, that's Coca-Cola. No. I said, why are you feeding your baby Coke? She said, well, uh, he likes it. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, Lewis, I, my wife showed me this, this uh, video on, on social media the other day. It was of a baby, it looked like it was maybe eight or nine months old baby, 
having ice cream for the first time. Oh. Having sugar for the first time. And you watch the baby eat the ice cream. I light up. Eyes, and then the baby like I grabs the thing and like stuffs in his face. I was like, oh my God, it was just so crazy. And it's, it's highly addictive. So uh, yeah, so, so now we're seeing one in two Americans suffer from either pre-diabetes. Or type two. Or type two diabetes. And, and that is when you eat wow. too much sugar and starch. And every time you do that, it raises your insulin. Your body becomes resistant to the insulin, and so it doesn't work as well, so you need more insulin. And mm. insulin does what? Insulin makes you hungry, it makes you store belly fat, it locks the fat in the fat cells, and it slows your metabolism. It's like a quadruple bad. threat for your body to gain weight. So it's why we're seeing, you know, and that goes back to what we're growing, right? So why are we eating all this food? That it's because that's the food we produce, mm -hmm. right? And so that's the other part of the problem. So we have the chronic disease, we have the economic impact, and then we're like, well, why do we have this food? So as a functional medicine doctor, I'm always asking why, right? Well, why are my patients it, sick? Because it makes money, right? Well, no, I'm, yeah, but, but I'm going right, even right, further. Right, why I got interested sick. in this? Because as a, why would a doctor care about agriculture and soil and all this crap? Because I, as I was thinking about my patients' diseases, most of them were caused by food and can be cured by food. Mm. So I'm thinking, well, well how many, are, how many are most of them? Is this like 50%, 70%? 80%. And of anyone that comes into the hospital, yeah. or your patients, yeah. who My has patients. some type of disease or yeah. some type of sickness. I mean, unless it's like an environmental thing like mercury or lime or mold, you know, most of the or things. Cancer. Cancer. Right. Cancer is caused by food. Really? 70%. 70% of cancer is caused by food. And sugar is the number one culprit. Heart disease, can, diabetes, can, Alzheimer's, heart disease, the big killers. Are now, by sugar and food. Yes. Yeah. So if you change your diet, you should be able to cure, prevent, those. prevent or cure sometimes. Sometimes cure depends how far yeah. along things are. I yeah. guess. Yeah. But you can prevent heart disease, Alzheimer's. 100%. Yes, one hundred percent. I mean, the studies are there. It's crazy. Even people already have Alzheimer's when they improve their diet, they can wake they get up more and get functionality yeah. back. So, so you've got me thinking. Okay, well, if the patient's disease are caused by food, what's causing the food? It's the food system. And I'm like, well, what's causing the food system? It's our food policies. Like, mm. what's causing our food policies? It's the food industry that's lobbying Congress. It's got money. It's the biggest lobby group in Congress is agriculture and food. food. By far. Like, by twice as much as the next lobby group. By like gas and oil or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And it's like, what? So then I began thinking, well, if I'm going to help my patients, I can't do it in my office. Like, I can, it's like... It's like I'm, I'm like in the boat, bailing the boat with a hole instead of plugging the hole. Right. You're not so, going to the source. Right. So then I'm thinking, okay, well, what do I need to do as a functional medicine doctor? I need to go to the root cause, right? The root cause and why. And then it became clear to me that it's, it's our, our agricultural system that's driving so much of the problem. And, and the, what we grow has been based on good intentions that were in the 50s and people were hungry. There wasn't enough food. There was a lot of poverty. And so we, we figured out a system to produce an abundance mm -hmm. of starchy calories. So we can have food. So we can starve. have food. And we were great cheap. at it. And we have cheap, abundant corn and wheat and soy, which are the commodity crops that are turned into industrial processed food, which is now 60% of our diet. And for every 10% of that you eat, your risk of death goes up by 14%. Yeah, so you're, Crazy. so you're basically, you know, feeding Americans a diet we know is going to kill them. The research is so clear on this. There's no scientific debate, and yet we don't do anything about it because we have these dysfunctional food policies. And then the way we grow the food, 
causes climate change. And we'll get into that, but the number one cause of climate change is our food system. Really? People don't realize that. I didn't know it. I'm like, right. oh, it's oil and you know, gas and all this stuff. I'm like, but what is it? Is it the trucking? Is it the animal feces? End to end. Is it okay? The... So first of all, deforestation is devastating. Uh -huh. Not only do we like destroy the soil on which we cut down the trees, but the trees are carbon sinks, so we lose that. So they're not sucking in the bad air. They're sucking in the carbon good dioxide, air. right? I mean, basically, plants suck out carbon dioxide. That's what yeah. they breathe. We breathe oxygen. They breathe carbon dioxide. So they're the perfect antidote, right? Yeah. And then. The soil also, we're damaging by the way we're farming. Mm -hmm. We've lost a third of our topsoil. Mm. It's responsible, and people don't know this, but of all the greenhouse gases in the atmosphere, the loss of soil, organic matter, like healthy, rich soil, is responsible for 30 to 40% of all greenhouse gases currently in the atmosphere since the Industrial Revolution. Does that mean, it, why is that? Does okay, it like why? suck because, up? Does because, it suck? because soil is, it can hold more carbon than is in the atmosphere right now. There's a trillion really? tons of carbon wow. in the atmosphere, which is a lot. I don't know, a trillion tons, I don't even know how to measure that. Uh, and the soil can hold three trillion tons of carbon. And how does it do that? It's an ancient carbon capture technology that is available all over the world, that's free, free <laughs> that uh, can be more effective than all the rainforests on the planet, than all the forests and trees on the planet, it's called photosynthesis. Uh -huh. And, it, and the, if you have like grasslands, for example, like we had big prairies in the United States, they suck down carbon, they breathe it, and they put it through the plants into the roots, feeds the mycorrhizal fungi, which then make healthy soil, feeds the bacteria, and you get this incredibly rich live soil that holds wow. tremendous amounts of organic matter that is carbon, right? I mean, carbohydrates, comes from the word carbon, mm. which comes from carbo carbon dioxide, wow. right? Ding, 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 it all connects. And, Interesting. And so we've lost, we're, we were So we don't have the soil for it to consume, yeah. then we, it just bounces off back into the yes. air, I guess, and just, we're just consuming yes. it in other ways. Yeah, and, and, and the soil can hold so much carbon, the UN estimated that if we took the five, of the five million hectares of degraded farmland around the world, if we took just two million of that, and spent 300 billion, which is the total military spend for 60 days mm -hmm. around the world, which is not much. Yeah. 60 days, two months of everybody's military spending. We literally could stall climate change by 20 years. Wow. Because of putting back, back the carbon in the soil. Uh, and, and not only that, it holds water. You see, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in Iowa and in the Midwest, yeah. there was floods that just destroyed a million acres of cropland that otherwise could have been fine if the soil could hold the water, but it just sits on the top where it runs through and we lose all this water. So that when you have a organic matter in the soil, it holds 27,000 gallons for every 1% organic matter in the soil per acre. So it's, it's an incredible water sink, it's a carbon sink, and we've lost all these soils and it's because we're growing these commodity crops in ways that destroy soil. soil. We're tilling gotcha. the soil, we're turning over soil erosion, it runs off into the rivers, uh, it, it, we kill all the life in the organic matter by poisoning it with fertilizer, right. with pesticides, with uh, glyphosate, herbicides, and, and it's, it's staggering. And then we have all these sort of unintended consequences. You know, we, we started growing all this food and we thought this agricultural revolution was great, all these chemicals are great, you know, fertilizer's great, we can do all this good stuff, tractors, big farms, more food, right. feed the world. Uh, it's backfired on us. Wow. And it's producing the worst food on the planet, that's causing devastating environmental damage, staggering climate change, 
So it's it's the soil loss. It's you said at deforestation. It's the factory farming of animals, which is should be banned. <laughs> right. It's the transportation, storage, refrigeration, and the food waste. Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this. Assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host i mean food waste in a lot of waste yeah but, well we we waste 40 percent of our food we really throw that's out. not a play we don't Ma- eat imagine it. going to the grocery store buying a bunch of groceries take and getting home and throwing 40 percent of the garbage the average americans waste 1800 of food a year and it's about a pound a day uh, and that goes to landfills. The landfills then it rots and creates methane. So you could be a vegan throwing out your food waste and scraps and you could be contributing to climate change. If food waste were a country, it would be the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases after the US and China. Wow. Yeah, it's methane to produce. Uh, and, and we need to compost, we need to have community garden, like always to fix it. But it's, it's like when you look at the whole end-to-end food system, it is the number one source of climate change, about 50% of greenhouse gases. And people just don't appreciate that. So why, I mean, if this information is public and it's out there and policymakers are aware of it, they're not, they're not, not aware of no. it. No, I, I spent two hours on a sailboat this summer with a senator, a smart senator. He wasn't aware of it. And I, I literally, his jaw was hanging open the entire time. Are they not presented with this research and no. information? No, because... Because they got so much money sent to them by well, the lobbyists, probably. Right. I mean, listen, if all the people who are walking their office are Monsanto and Cargill and, you know, McDonald's and Pepsi nice. and like, and they're all donating millions of dollars, I would say billions of dollars, they're not hearing the other side of the science. And, you know, how do you, how do you fight that? So, you know, I, I always said deride a lobbyist, but I, I plan on, you know, I'm creating a food fix campaign, which is a nonprofit, along with an advocacy organization to start to literally lobby senators, congressmen, wow. key people in the administration around these issues and start to drive policy change. Because in the UK, and you were talking about, I think in Australia, New Zealand, or in, I think in Asia, you were saying that 
you can't do certain things with the food. Otherwise, you'll go to prison. You'll go to, you know, you'll get killed. <laughs> yeah. You'll, well, yeah, I mean, like in the UK, mean, you can, they don't have a lot of these dyes and right. You know, right? Yeah. So it's so funny, you know. The FDA, you know, is so influenced by the the food industry. Um, and and I was once with the uh, the, the former uh, head of the Federal Drug Administration, Food and Drug Administration, uh, Peggy a Hammer. Former. former. She, she was she was you know she but then she was the FDA commissioner. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but now she's a former. And I was at the World Economic Forum. I said, Peggy, how how come you know we have uh, so much trouble with with uh, getting advances in food labeling or dealing with toxic uh-huh. chemicals in our food or antibiotics in animal feed or you know it's like she's like, well, uh, when we try to make too aggressive change, Congress threatens to shut down our funding because of the food lobby. They threaten to f- shut it down. Yeah. And then what? Just, if they shut it down, what would happen? Well, they, they, they're limited in their ability to do their job. And oh, so the man. FTC, the same thing happened. In the 70s, there was a movement by the Federal Trade Commission to have uh, you know, negative edu- I mean, posit- I mean, education campaigns around sugar and how bad it was. But the Congress says, we're going to pull all your funding and shut you down if you, if you do this. And so they pull back. So, so uh, you know, in, in the, you know, for example, you asked the question about Asia. Uh, we have this thing called grass, which is generally recognized as safe. So the food additives, we have, you know, we have thousands of food additives. Only about 5% have actually been tested for safety. In the U.S. Some of them are grandfathered in, right? Like, so Crisco, for example, trans fat was grandfathered in as a safe food to eat. But it took 50 years for researchers to finally prove to the FDA that it wasn't safe because wow. it was the basis of all processed food, oh. right? Crisco shortening. You know, it shortens your life. <laughs> like, oh my gosh! And and so they 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 literally had to be sued by a scientist in order to actually turn it into a non-safe substance. Mm-hmm. And then, they, of course, they gave their food industry years and years to get it out of the food. So, it's, right. but 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 in this country, there's so many things that are used in our food supply that are banned in Europe, like BHT, butylated hydroxytoluene food additives, uh, various dyes, and something called azodicarbonamide, which is a softener that makes like bread more like fluffy and soft yeah, yeah. and it was just in subway sandwich our friend Vani Hari outed them and said this is your yoga mat material in your subway sandwich and they got to take it out right? to eat her yeah and she got it out but the FDA still says it's fine to eat right and in Singapore if you use it and you're a food producer you get a four hundred fifty thousand dollar fine and 15 years in jail for putting it in the food that same ingredient the same ingredient that anyone can use in the US right in the now. US yes and most of the things that are safe, put safe here, are banned in Europe. So it's like, yeah, they're not doing their job. And then antibiotics, you know, we have 30 million pounds of antibiotics that are used in animal feed, we have about 37 million total. So about 7 million for humans to treat disease and 30 million for animals. Why? For growth. It's a growth factor. Right. It makes them fat. And it makes humans fat too. And it is used for prevention of, from overcrowding. And, and the FDA says, well, this isn't a good idea. I mean, nobody thinks it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but they go, well, would you please, pretty please not do it? It was a voluntary guideline that the FDA produced. Not mandatory. Please don't do it, yeah. You have to have a vet certify that the animal's sick before you give them antibiotics. Oh, man. And now they, they, they you know, continue to do it and just laugh. You know, they had voluntary, the, 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 the um, FDA, uh, FTC put in voluntary guidelines around junk food marketing. Would you pretty please not advertise the bad stuff and advertise more good stuff? It was just voluntary, and the food industry went ballistic. 
and had it overturned. So even the voluntary guidelines are nullified. Like, no, wow. Hmm. And it just, it's- I mean, sugar, I mean, it's like, I'm the first one to raise my hand when I say like, I love sugar and it's my Everybody my biggest vice, right? Everybody like I does. love cookies and candies and cakes and brownies and anything you can think of, I love it, right? You know, we, we programmed all the sugar. I don't know why I don't have diabetes. So much sugar I've had in my whole life. But well, I- You can't be having that much because you look pretty good. <laughs> well, I train hard too, right? I go through waves. And, but as a kid, I would drink like nine, 10 Dr. Peppers a day, I remember. What? Like some days in the summer, you're just sitting around. You could have been president. Isn't that what our president <laughs> Exactly. But I would just, I mean, I would run around and, and work out and play sports, but then yeah. I would just drink because yeah. I thought that's but what was on eight, TV. You were 16, 18. You're like, and I was like 9, 10, right? So oh. I was like, but it was, you'd see it on commercials like your NBA superstar yeah. drinking Dr. Yeah. Pepper or Sprite or whatever after on the basketball court. And I don't know if it was just like subconscious or just it tasted good and you didn't think about it. it well, was just, all about, I mean, this is where the food industry is so, I mean, I talk about it in my book, Food Facts, but the yeah. food industry is so strategic about how it advances its mission and goals. And it does it through multiple channels. And I, I'm just gonna go through them because it just, people just don't know. The celebrity first, endorsements, right? Yeah, the first, you know, obviously, you know, celebrity endorsements, which is the obvious one. They co-op social groups. So they, they fund mm. groups like the NAACP and Hispanic Federation, the you know, African-American and Latino communities are the most affected by diabetes mm. and obesity. And they co-op them by funding them. I, I want to show the movie Fed Up at yeah. the King Center in Atlanta. And Bernice King, Martin King's daughter, was all about it and she was excited. But once, uh, once we got it scheduled a few days later, I got a call that we couldn't show it. I'm like, why? She's because Coca-Cola funds the King Center. No. Yeah. I went to Spelman College, you know, which is African American Women College in Atlanta, and the dean said to me, half of the 18-year-olds coming into college have a chronic illness: mm. obesity, hypertension, diabetes. 18-year-old women, and I'm like, why is there soda machines all over the campus? Why? Just because Coke funds. No. And one of the wow. one of the people on the board of trustees is one of the highest executives at, Coke. at Coca-Cola. Oh man, an African American woman. It's like so they co-op social groups. And that's why they, for example, oppose soda taxes because they're in the funding of these, these big soda companies. And then, of course, they, they fund research. So they fund 12 times as much research, $12 billion worth of research a year to study nutrition. So Gatorade gets studied by Pepsi. <laughs> really? Gatorade's the best thing in the world. It's not. It's just sugar, right? Or, right. You know, <laughs> right, right. So it corrupts and pollutes science. So people are confused. Why is there so much confusion about nutrition science? Third. They, they create front groups, they call them spin doctors. So they create front groups that seem like they're independent groups, like Crop Life, yeah, or you know, like and they're tweeting the Center for Consumer Freedom, right, or the American Council on uh, Science and Health, which, by the way, is uh, run by a bunch of doctors who suggest that uh, pesticides are safe, that high fructose corn is great for you, that. Uh, smoking isn't cause disease, and you know why like, do they do? Why would they do that? Because they get paid a lot. They're funded by Monsanto and Big Food and Pepsi. You just look at their funders, and they're. I mean, they spent thirty million dollars fighting GMO labeling in California. This wow. front group. It was all funded by Monsanto, right? And then you so you got these front groups, and then you have um, them co-opting scientists and academies. So the nutrition academies, the American Heart Association. American Diabetes Association, their funding in large part comes from industry. And, and so the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which is our main nutrition association, 40% of their funding comes from the food industry. Mm. You know, they, they have sponsored, you know, lectures at their meetings that are 
you know, when people say, well, high fructose corn syrup is good and diet drinks are good and like, right. It's just completely corrupted. And so these professional societies give guidelines and they're, they're corrupt. And Dr. Ioannidis from Stanford, who's a, an epi- a scientist who looks at carefully at the research and, and conflicts of interest says, you know, the, these professional societies like the American Heart Association and Diabetes Association should not be making guidelines. And then so you've got all these ways in which they sort of screw things up. And then, of course, they, they are aggressive in advertising and marketing, which mm-hmm. is illegal in most countries. And then they have lobbyists running around Washington driving policy that supports all of what they do. So you, the, you've got this massive effort. And, and it's often subversive and illegal. And they, it's, you know, it's kind of shady. Yeah. I mean, here's an example. Like in California, there was a group that um, you know, wanted to have uh, anti... Was, was to, to promote GMO labeling. Uh-huh. And they put in a ballot on the... Uh, what does that mean, promote GMO labeling? So that, that you have to label, if you have a food that has GMO in it, you have you to have label to put it. it. Yeah. So on a Coke, can of Coca-Cola, it would say GMO right. corn. Right? Kind of like in a cigarette right. box where it says, like, this will kill right. you. Right, and your, and your <laughs> plant-based burger would have to say GMO burger, right? Mm, right. So um, the food industry didn't like that. So right. the grocery what? manufacturer of America got together. Because it would really cost them, you know, huge amounts of money. People were aware of this stuff. They don't want to. They stopped buying it. Yeah. yeah. And by well, the way. I don't um, think they label it, though. That seems like the smart well, thing to by do. By the way, most countries do have it. Really? Um, like, I think 30 to 50 countries have it, including China and Russia, who are not, which are not known for transparency or democracy, right? So, and, we, and they don't. And it's, it's terrible. So, so they basically <laughs> tried to put this thing. Now, the food industry got together with the grocery manufacturer of America, which is their trade group. And they're like, we can't have this. So they spent like millions and millions of dollars fighting this ballot. And the way they did it was illegal. Wow. Because they got the food companies to donate in a way where it should be transparent for campaign finance. You have to be all transparent. It was all secret. They got caught. Uh, the grocery manufacturers of America got fined $18 million, which is the largest fine ever for an mm. infraction for campaign finance violations. But they appealed it, and it was down to six million. And they appealed, but it's like, and of course, the ballot because they did all that work, it didn't pass. Mm-hmm. So they were successful. So what's a few million dollars when they have billions at stake? So they're so corrupt. And then they, and then in California, it was even worse. There were four soda taxes passed here uh, in the 2016 election, in you know, in many states. Soda tax. In many states, passed. it's soda tax, uh-huh. right? So you pay an extra penny an ounce, whatever, for for sugar sweetened drink. Which, by the way, it's been proven to re- reduce consumption right. dramatically. It works. That's why you want to do right. it. And it works, and that's why the food industry is so against it. So what the American Beverage Association, which used to be called the American Soda Pop Association, did was they took, and <laughs> this is crazy, they, they created a ballot measure to prohibit any local taxes from being passed unless it was a two-thirds majority. Mm. Which would mean that you couldn't fund schools, police stations, fire stations, local stuff, and it would have crippled local governments all across the state. And it had nothing to do with food. But mm. then they went at the last minute before it was about to pass, and they spent millions pushing this. They went to Governor Jerry Brown, the most liberal governor we've probably ever had in America, Governor Moonbeam, they used to call him. And they're like, look, you, you, you pass this preemptive law, which means you can never pass another soda tax in California, and we'll pull this ballot measure. So basically, they got Governor Brown to pass this preemptive law, which means that you're not allowed to go and pass another soda tax in California. Why? Why? Because they don't want soda taxes. It's crazy. It's crazy. And why did Governor Brown do it? Because he didn't want his entire state 
local governments to be crippled oh. by this new ballot measure that was about to pass. So it was all done behind closed doors. You can never tax days. again. You can't now in California. You can't. No, and they're doing these states. Can all, you change the law back? You could. It just take more effort. You and could. Energy. They're going to have to. You know, but they're doing this in states all across oh the country. Oh my gosh! And it's a it's the playbook that the tobacco industry used. Wasn't well, tobacco? I mean, isn't cigarettes have a tax on them now, or in some they do. states? They do. Where it's oh, like, there was a huge lawsuit that's, that sort of changed everything, right? There was huge litigation and multi-billion-dollar settlements and all kinds of restrictions wow. that did happen. But food is more complicated because it's not cigarette is one thing. It's like yeah. soda. It's processed food. It's everything. So, so this is all the bad news. The wow. good news is that you know we can fix these problems. We we can reverse climate change. We can reverse chronic disease. We can fix these dysfunctional food policies. We can end some of the social injustice issues which we didn't talk about as related to food. We can uh, actually help save our economy if we change the way we grow food, the way we process food, the way we distribute, market, market it, eat yeah. it, and waste it. And we can do that. We, it's not like we need to invent some new technology. We have the ability to do it. We know what to do. The science is there. It just is going to take a grassroots movement and some political pressure to do it. What would be the first steps that someone could take to help? Well, I think, you know, it seems book, like such a big, it is, it is. It's a, a little big. So, so let's talk about some of the solutions. So we know, you know, food is causing chronic disease. It's destroying our economy. It's crippling Power our change, climate. Yeah. It's, it's destroying our environment and killing all the pollinators and all biodiversity. And it's causing social injustice because it targets poor minorities who suffer from problems. It, it prevents kids from learning in school because mm -hmm. they're eating all this crap. It threatens our national security, creates political instability. So we know all these things. But the good news is that by fixing the food system, we can solve these. And how do we do it? Well, it's going to need citizen action. It's going to need business innovation. And it's going to need policy change. And, of course, yeah. other philanthropists and governments to help get on board. And I think that's what's really exciting to me because there's so much hope. So, for example, on a personal level, you can shift what you eat and what you do to drive change in the marketplace. Why are companies like Nestle and Unilever and Danone creating regenerative ag programs within their supply chain? Why are they trying to up, up mm. uh, the quality of their food and take out chemicals? Because right. consumers are demanding it. Well, they're buying, they're buying companies like Primal Kitchen yeah. that have like Like healthy... Kraft, right, bought Primal Kitchen, which is basically a you know, Whole Foods, you know, uh, really high quality, nutritious product with no junk in it. Exactly. Right? So, so there, there's, and yes, that's part of the problem. They're buying up these companies. But, <laughs> I think they're seeing the change, and there's, there's a positive change. I mean, General Mills just committed a million acres to regenerative agriculture. That's incredible. That mm. happened because people are demanding different things yeah. by, by voting with their fork, yeah. voting with their wallet. And I think we can also do things like join community support agriculture uh, associations, which gets food delivered to your house from a local farm. You can mm -hmm. shop at farmer's markets. You can use a company like Thrive Market that sources regeneratively raised products, or Mariposa Ranch, where you can buy direct mm -hmm from the ranch, generally raised meats. Uh, you, can, you can actually start a compost pile, which will help end food waste because we don't throw out our scraps. We can, if you live in an apartment like this, you can still have an in-apartment little composting really? bucket that then you can take to you know local compost place. Interesting. In some, some states, uh, like in California and San Francisco, uh, Mayor Newsom, who's now governor, mandated composting. Mm. So you go to the airport in San Francisco, there's a compost bucket there. Wow, that's you cool. Know, there's, compost, there's mandatory composting. You can't throw your garbage. In states like, in, in countries like France, you, if you get a fine and you can go to jail if you throw out your garbage. In Massachusetts, they passed a 
uh, law that if you uh, produce more than a ton of food waste every week, then you can't throw it out. So it's, it's now created this side businesses mm. where Whole Foods and other grocery chains are giving their uh, waste to farmers. And, and this, these dairy farmers who are struggling to make money because dairy consumption is going down. I mean, it's nut milks, right? Right, right. Uh, they, they're, they partnered with this sort of uh, venture firm, I think Vanguard, and they created uh, this model of anaerobic incinerators, which essentially is a, is a digester, an anaerobic digester, mm. where they throw in the food waste, they throw in some cow manure from the farm, and it produces energy that, mm. that, that creates wow. electricity for 1,500 homes wow. from this one farm. <laughs> In Europe, there's 17,000 of these anaerobic digesters. We should mandate that naturally sure. so, so you can actually do something good with your waste. So there's a lot of things we can do. You can, you can actually be an activist in your mm -hmm. schools. Uh, I know mm -hmm. so many people around the country who've been activists in their schools and get yeah. their school food changed. And it can be done so with school nutrition food. guidelines. It can be done within budget. Uh, there's a group called Conscious Kitchens, which it creates a template for schools to do this. Mm. There's something called My Way Cafe in Boston where they've done this at scale. So there's so many opportunities for really about. In your workplace, you can be an activist and say, let's get the soda out of here. I mean, yeah. uh, universities, Cleveland Clinic was one of the first to get all sugar-sweetened beverages out. Uh, and there's University of California, San Francisco. Isn't that crazy that hospitals used to have? Oh, my God. McDonald's. I mean, still do have like all the vending machines with uh, sugar and candy yeah. with sick patients. That... Oh, my God. Yeah. When I, when I, I, mean, when I went to, uh, when I was working in the inner city hospital, in Springfield, Massachusetts, as an ER doc, I literally like you know working hard. You always have time to go because the cafeteria is open from eight you to nine, something real and twelve quick. to one, and six to seven. So like the only thing that was open from six a.m. to two a.m. was McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> and I would go get the burrito thing because I was a little healthier. Sure. But it was like it was terrible. And and you know so so there's a lot of things that institutions can do. There's something called yeah. the Good Food Purchasing Program, where institutions can can buy food in ways that are good for their employees mm. that are good for the animals, that are raised in you know, yeah, humane, sustainable yeah. ways, that are good for the climate and so forth, uh, good for the farm workers. So there's a lot of things that people can do. And I, I have a whole action guide. If you go to foodfixbook.com, which is where you can find out about the book, you can pre-order it. You also get an entire action guide that guides you through all the things that you mm. can do in your own life. And then, of course, you can vote with your vote. Uh, you know, People are so apathetic when it comes to politics. and. We live in a democracy. We take it for granted. Yeah. You know, it, you can change it by voting. You can because it matters. You know, mm -hmm. and I think fifty percent of people don't vote, and often people vote who might have different values than you, and you think it doesn't matter, and it does matter. I mean, you, you know, I, I had it work for me at Cleveland Clinic. This young African American woman, you know, who, who grew up, you know, very poor, and I said, "Why are you voting?" She goes, "No, I'm not going to vote." I'm like, "Why aren't you going to vote?" She says, "It doesn't matter. It's like irrelevant." Mm -hmm. But you know, we look at look at what happened in Alabama. The African-American women in Alabama went out to vote and they voted for a Democrat. And that was like, I don't know when the last time they had a Democrat yeah. in Alabama was. Yeah. Because they stood up and asked for you know, something different. Change, wow. So there's a, there's a great website called foodpolicyaction.org where you can look at your congressman and senator, what their voting record is on food and ag policy. Wow. And then you can write to them. There's all mechanisms for, for being activists to communicate. And... Uh, they even ousted two congressmen who were in the pocket of big food by a big social media campaign based on, on using citizen activism. And that's how things happen, right? Mm -hmm. We think we don't, our voice doesn't matter, but look at what happened. Look at abolition, right? Our entire economy, our entire agricultural system was based on slavery. It ended. Women's vote. You know, it, it, women got the vote because they stood up and said, hey, mm -hmm. it took you know, another 50 years to get civil rights. Civil, I mean, civil, I mean women's, uh, women's rights, but... Civil rights, same yeah. thing. 
gay rights, same thing. You know, it didn't start in Congress, it ended in Congress. Right? Mm -hmm. So we need to actually create a grassroots efforts and everybody needs to be empowered to do this. And that's really what the book is about. Yeah. And then of course we need business innovation, right? Like these anaerobic incinerators. It solves food waste, it solves the methane from the cow poop, it solves right. the economic issues of farmers because they make 100 grand a year, and it produces renewable energy and electricity out of poop and garbage. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> so it's, it's like, a cool. what? So there's all kinds of great <laughs> business things that are happening. There's, yeah. a, there's a company called, uh, I think it's a private equity group called Private, uh, it's called Farmland LP. And basically they buy up uh, conventional farms, they convert them to regenerative farms, and which basically restores the soil like we talked mm -hmm. about. And they turn the, the profits from single digits to more than double digits. So their, their first fund had a 67% profit. Mm. And then there's this thing they call ecosystem services. So every year we use up natural capital, right? We, we take out resources from the earth, uh, plants, biodiversity, mineral, everything, right? Soil, water. And we use up about $125 trillion a year of natural capital, which is about 40, mil, 40 trillion more than the global economy, right? Wow. And most of the way we farm now depletes our natural capital. Right? With conventional farming, destroys the soil, water, pesticides, mm -hmm. chemicals, pollinators, species, blah, 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 chronic disease. <laughs> they create regenerative farms, which, which actually put in $21 million of benefit to the environment, whereas the uh, conventional farms, well, in the same amount of farming, will take out $8 million worth of benefit. Wow. So it's a win-win-win. And you know, there's this farmer in, um, you know, in, in North, Carolina, North Dakota, who had, Gabe Brown, who had his farm decimated by hail and bad weather. Mm -hmm. Uh, and was about to go bankrupt and he started researching and found about regenerative ag and he started to convert his 5,000 acre farm in North Dakota to regenerative ag and now he's built 29 inches of soil, he doesn't need water, he doesn't use pesticides, fertilizers, chemicals, he produces more food on the same land, it's a very diverse set of crops that, that restores ecosystems, restores pollinators, restores the soil organic matter uh, and, and he makes 20 times the amount of money mm. as his neighbor. <laughs> and produces more food, better food, with less inputs in ways that restore the environment. Mm. So this is a scalable thing. He's innovating, yeah. Yeah, he's innovating. And yeah. I think this is a model that needs to be grown. Uh, and yes, we need incentives from the government. We need business investments mm -hmm. like these guys from Farmland LP. So whatever, whatever way we need to do it. And then, of course, we need government policy change. And that's the hardest part, right? Because yeah. you know, people go, oh, Washington, it's a shit show, and you know, nothing's going to change. Yeah. I'm just, I give up, and like it's just... But you know there is there are things getting done, and there and there is a way to change things, and 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 the people you elect do care about getting reelected, mm -hmm. and they want your vote, and if they know that you care about stuff, they will change things. They'll change it. They will change things. They want to be in power. Yes, they want to. They be want to power. stay there. So we 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 can actually be active, and and I'm working with a group that um, is an incredible strategy group that launched Bono's One Campaign, mm -hmm. which has raised about a hundred billion through congressional appropriations for. AIDS and poverty relief, Democrat, Republican, bipartisan effort, and they know how to make sausage in Washington. And I'm working with this crew, and we're raising money to actually change the policies that matter. You know, we need to start supporting regenerative ag. We need to implement policies that create food as medicine to treat mm -hmm. chronic disease. We need to get rid of the dysfunctional food policies like food stamps, which you know pays for seven billion in soda. It's horrible. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like you know we need to get school lunches better. We need to and all the food marketing to kids. And, and these things are not gonna be easy. We need better food labels so people know yeah. what the heck they're eating instead of like right. 
you know, it says 40 grams of sugar. Nobody knows that's 10 teaspoons, you know. So, like, there's so many things we can do, and, I'm, and we're working on a very focused strategy. I'm super excited because, you know, one, unless you identify the problem, you know, you can't fix it. Can't and fix two, it. once you do, you can mobilize grassroots, you can, you know, pressure congressmen and senators, you can do all sorts of things to change policy. And I, yeah. I think it's got to happen here, it's got to happen globally. It's a global problem. Yeah, it's huge. Um, so they can get the. Sorry, I get carried away. No, it's great, man. Keep going here on my monologue. You got all your the resources and the information on this at foodfixbook.com. Right? Yes. So they can go there. They can get free downloads. Yeah. They can buy the book there. I'm curious. You said something about nut milk uh, and about dairy. Yeah. Dairy has dairy been declining? Yeah, dairy in the last five. Yes, years? dairy consumption you know the, has been declining dramatically. Do you know the percentages uh, or it's the? Like, yeah, I think you know over the last few years, like it's gone down about 25 percent. Borden. Uh, which is a big milk producer. It's been around since 18, I think 87. Has gone bankrupt. What? Yeah. The, the lot of, and the, the lot of these milk, milk producers. Now people are still eating cheese. They're eating yeah. yogurt. They're eating, but but actual milk uh, consumption has gone down, and the is nut that, milks have gone up. Why is that? Is that because think, of education? Is that because I of think, disease? You know, that? <laughs> I think probably a lot of reasons. I mean, 75% of the population is lactose intolerant. Yeah. So they don't feel good. Uh, I used to drink so much milk every day. And how did you feel? Fine? I always had like a stuffy nose. Right, right. <laughs> like I was always tired in workouts and practices. Yeah, like yeah. I was always blowing my nose. Yeah. Well, uh, it's actually, milk is nature's perfect food, but only if you're a cat. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, we're the only species that consumes milk after weaning. Yeah. Uh, there are very few populations that seem to thrive on milk, the Maasai and some of the Northern Europeans. The other problem with the dairy we're eating today is not the dairy we ate, right? So... There are heirloom cows. I mean, you travel around the world, you travel, I travel, mm -hmm. and you go see these really weird looking cows in other countries. I'm like, what is that? And it's a cow. Right. But these are uh, you know, complex breeds that have different types of protein in the milk, mm. different types of casein. And the, the Holstein, the sort of the homogenized cow, I don't mean homogenized milk, but they're, everything, they're all the same. Not the steroid. And they're fertilized by like the yeah. three bulls, I think. They get the. You know, right. like the sperm from people. And it's like, they're all the same. And they have bred out the beneficial mm. or the safe casein, which is A2 casein, and they have A1 casein, which causes more inflammation, more congestion, more irritable bowel, more autoimmunity, more skin issues. So wow. uh, people are getting that milk isn't always the best. And and I think then, you know, people are eating nut milks. Now, they're not completely... Are those, are those good for you, though? Because a lot of people have still, like... Yeah. Skin problems. Yeah. And... Well, nut milks are problematic. So, uh, <laughs> one, almond milk is great, but you know, almonds are. But you can't have too much of it. Yeah. I started to get like a rash after. Yeah. I, like I switched from milk yeah. years ago, and I started to get like eczema, like a little eczema yeah, here yeah, and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I stopped drinking it, it would go away, and yeah. I was like, huh, maybe I'm drinking well, so much almond, almond butter, almond milk, well, all everything. Had carrageenan in it, which oh. is, causes leaky gut. Mm. You get leaky gut, you get eczema. So it's a thickener oh. they put in into these milks. They put a lot of sugar in these milks. They put right. a lot of gums in these milks. So you have to be very careful about which one you're having. And Just because it's healthier doesn't mean it's healthier. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't want to like, again, drinking tons of soy milk. It could be GMO soy, it could be right. full glyphosate. If not, it could be, you know, you know, getting huge amounts of these phytoestrogens, which where bodies aren't really meant to get. Eating traditional foods and traditional amounts are fine. Tofu, miso, tempeh, those are fine. Really? Those are how people have consumed soy over millennia. Mm -hmm. But not 10 pounds a day and not three glasses. gallons of No, I, I had a stepdaughter once. She loved soy milk, just drinking it all day. And she started like at like nine years old getting little breasts. And I'm like, well, that's not good. Wow. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. And so, yeah, we have to be smart about it. And I think, you know, if you're using a little here and there, but I, I don't recommend people drink it as a drink. Really? You know, if you want to put a little coffee. Almond milk or soy milk There's or macadamia milk. milk, coconut milk. Don't drink oat it. Milk. No, I mean, I think have, have it sometimes. You, you have a want... glass once a week, yeah. maybe it's okay, but not like drinking glasses every day. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> But you can add it to things. Sure, I, you know, put it in a smoothie. You know, you and you mix them up. You know, there's mac, macadamia milk, there's, uh-huh. uh, you know, cashew milk. There's you know hazelnut milk. There's all kinds of milks now. So mac, uh, I like you know I like macadamia. Macadamia milk. is so good. It's like yeah. sweet taste. Yeah, it's you like, can make your own nut milks. I have cookbooks. My food. What the heck should I cook? Yeah. And others teach you how to actually make your own nut milks at home. You soak the nuts. You put them in a blender with some water. There's no additives, ingredients, sugar. Uh-huh. It's great. But not too much of it is what you're saying. Yeah, not, not, yeah. That's the challenge. It's like anything. Like anything. People get water. Carried. Drink a lot of water. That's yeah. Better I mean, listen. Anything, it can kill you. Right? Water can kill you. Uh, you know, marathon runners who overhydrate, mm-hmm. uh, their body uh, is diluted. Their blood is diluted with too much water, and they get what we call low sodium or hyponatremia, and that causes seizures and death. So yeah, you can die from drinking too much water. So it's all about like eating stuff in complex amounts mm-hmm. and in a complex variety of foods. So a variety of food is, yeah. is good. Huge. We used to eat 800 species of plants. That's good. Not having the same like three no. things every day. Well, hey, listen, most of our diet is, is corn, soy, yeah. and corn, soy, and wheat. Most mm-hmm. of our diet. You know, and, and in other countries, rice in there. And, and those are, you know, all mostly turned into processed food. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we used to have, you know, like I said, 800 species of plants we ate. Now there's 12. Mm. We've lost 90% of all our edible plant species, half of all our livestock species. So We've lost them. Gone. Stink. What do you mean? Those, those plants are gone? Gone. I mean, there are... We can't make... We can't create... There's no there seeds are seed, anymore? There are seed banks that, that are, are there. There's seed vaults. Oh, wow, those are Alaska. They're valuable. Like, yeah, the USDA has you know, a lot of seeds. Actually, a friend of mine um, was trying to develop different you know varieties of plants i was trying to get some old seeds and got to the usda and by accident he got a packet which was numbered like four three two one six whatever and he's like called him and said what is this like because he was working with an agricultural guy to grow you know healthy food and well these are these himalayan buckwheat himalayan buckwheat which is kind of a rare buckwheat from the himalayas Mm. it grows in really rough conditions and it's one of the most nutrient phytochemically rich dense foods, high protein, low starch, full of phytochemicals, vitamins and minerals hmm. on the planet. <laughs> and it's almost and extinct. Pretty much. Maybe there's a few villages in Himalayas that wow. grow it. So, you know, how do we bring that back? And how do we start to create different sort of more, you know, beneficial grains? There's, there's um, uh, Kearns of wheat, which has been developed by uh, West Jackson out, in, uh, West Jackson out in, in the Midwest, which is a perennial wheat that grows roots that go, you know, you know, tens of feet into the ground, breaks up the soil, creates organic matter, and creates incredibly delicious wheat that's heirloom wheat. Or not, it's, it's actually a new form, but it's, it's actually, uh, doesn't have all the gluten in it. It's more, less inflammatory, less sugar. Oh, man. Uh, so we need to kind of bring back some of these different kinds of foods in these complex farms that, that actually restore soil, restore yeah. human health. Oh, man. Yeah. I love this. Uh, Foodfixbook.com. and get all the information there. They can get the book. Yeah. Your podcast has a lot of amazing information as well. If people want to learn more, we're going to... Doctor's Pharmacy. And the The Doctor's Pharmacy is the podcast. Yes. Doctor's Pharmacy with an F. 
And then when's the new, are you talking about the new product as well or no? Is no, that... we, we, you know, we mentioned it. So, you know, I, I, you know, I spent 30 years doing functional medicine and just seeing the power of food to actually heal people. And, uh, you know, people don't often don't understand how close they are to feeling good or how bad they feel. Like it could somebody, be like one or two days switch. Yeah, like, I mean, what you Dr. Hyman, I didn't know how bad I was feeling until I started feeling good. And I was, <laughs> I was joking, I think I have FLC syndrome, which is when you feel like crap. Right, and well, it's just like the information, the pain, the yeah. achiness, the tired. Like you said, you had congestion nose, yeah. your digestion's not right, you have a little headache, tired you're sluggish, time, you have yeah. brain fog, you're tired, you're achy, you don't sleep well, you have skin problems. Blurry you know? eyes. Like yeah, all stuff. that stuff. And people are like, oh, this is normal. This is just normal. I, normal, I have an arterial bowel. I have sinus issues. I'm like, my joints are a little sore. No, it's your food. It's what you're eating. And so for 10, 10 days, you do a 10-day reset. And literally, like, it's like when your computer's not working, you hit mm -hmm. the reset and it reboots everything. It's like a reboot. And then you get to see within 10 days how powerfully food and impacts reset, you. Im yes. And then you go, well, now I can choose. Now I can feel like crap. Or I can feel great. But now I know. Yeah. And, and there's a the more serious form of what we call feel like crap, which is FLC syndrome, called FLS. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. And then we have, and the first time I ever created anything, because I really want people to have the experience, is called, um, it's a company called Pharmacy. And you go to getpharmacy.com with an F, F-A-R-M-A-C-Y, and you can get the 10-day reset. It's a whole uh, program that's it's really integrated and it's powerful and it involves lifestyle change and diet change and the right nutrients and supplements and shakes and it's just awesome. Wow. 10 days. 10 days. Reset it. I mean, I, I even do it. You know, like I, you know, I, I came back from the holidays, you know, and I, I try <laughs> to do well. I cook Christmas dinner. I'm, I'm Jewish. Yeah. My wife's family and I made it all healthy. But, you know, when it was their mom's house, we're here, it's like, oh, a little ice cream, all this, all yeah. that. And I didn't go too far, but, you know, I didn't feel great. And I came back and I just did the whole 10 day reset and it's like, I feel amazing. I mean, you don't crave bad stuff. Your energy's up. Yeah. Your sleep's better. Your joints don't hurt. Your digestion's good. I got to get know? it. Yeah. I got to get it for me and the team. Make yeah. sure we reset it. Amazing. So getpharmacy.com. Yes. Foodfixbook. Foodfixbook.com and your podcast. Doctor's Pharmacy. Doctor's Pharmacy. Yeah. We need everybody on the team here to fix this food system because it's an yeah. existential threat. If we don't do it, we're screwed. I mean, we're just, you know, we know the decline of the Roman Empire was mm -hmm. because of some bad stuff that was going on there. Well, our food is the decline of our empire. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if we're all sick and dead, we can't yeah. do anything. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, the amount of the amount of, of disability and suffering. A lot of pain. Mental illness. Mental illness connected to food. Depression. Depression. Obesity. Chronic disease. It so limits much. our productivity, our ability to engage in life. Like, we all want to feel good. We want to have mm -hmm. energy. We want to be able to love the people we love in our life, to do the work we want, have the mission we want, to... To be energetic and engaged, and I just want to sit around all day and binge on Netflix, right? Yeah. I mean, watching Netflix is fine, but like, not in a way that avoids life because you feel yeah. so bad. Yeah. And I think uh, what's frustrating for me is, Lewis, is that I see so much needless suffering. Yeah. You know, some things we can't change. You know, we can't change, you know, natural disasters. You know, I can't, I can't end war. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is a solvable problem. Yeah, solvable. It, yeah. Totally fixable. Love it. Uh, check it out. We'll link up everything below on the resource page as well. Dr. Mark Hyman, appreciate you, man. You're Thank the best. You. All right. Appreciate it. Sure. There you have it, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time to learn about your health, to learn about the economy, and to learn about our planet. There's so much going on with our food system, and you have the power to make a change by making different decisions with what you eat and researching the things that you're eating. Again, every decision we make 
has a bigger ripple effect on the planet and our community. If you enjoyed this and you know people that would love this interview, share it with a friend, share it on social media, tag me at Lewis Howes and lewishowes.com slash 916 for the link to share out to your friends on this episode with Dr. Mark Hyman. Make sure to check out all the good stuff about him at the show notes and check out his show and books as well. I'm so grateful for you. You know, we're learning together. We're growing together. And those that have a learning growth mindset typically earn more. They typically are happier. They are typically healthier and are in better relationships. So continue to show up on this podcast every single time we drop an episode. Make sure you subscribe. Be a part of the community on social media. Make sure to check out all the different things we have going on at lewishouse.com. And Napoleon Hill said, no person may enjoy outstanding success without good health. I leave you with good health, lots of love, and you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. At Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom, crop out, yada yada. And bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and nada yada yada. Only at Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T-Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days.